Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So uh, inflation rising to a three-decade high here. The Consumer Price Index went up 5.1% in January over 2021. And the inflation rate reached 5.7% in February, which makes it the first time since 1991 that inflation crossed over 5%. Also, the Bank of Canada raised its policy interest rate this past Wednesday, and we'll find out, I believe, next week what our inflation rate is in this country. So there's lots of questions that we have, and Professor Moshe Lander joins us from Concordia University in Montreal, where he teaches international trade, money, and banking. He's an expert on inflation, recession, and unemployment. Professor Lander, good to have you back with us. We always call you when there's a problem. Uh, I think that's the nature of being an economist, right? We call it the dismal science for a reason, don't we? Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, what was it somebody said? Uh, give me a one-armed economist so I'll never again hear on the other hand. I'm sure you've heard that many times. Exactly. <laughs> so if we look at what's... Let me look south for just a moment, south of the Canadian border to the United States. Their inflation, 8.5% in the past year which is a pace of inflation, I'm told, that what their inflation's done, which is reminiscent of what happened in the 1980s. And for those of us who were around in the 1980s, we don't even want to think about that. But how significantly does the 8.5% number impact on what we're going to be hearing about our number next week? So I don't think that we're going to get into that uh, 8% range. I'm not even sure we'll get into the 7% range, but the fact is that we are really linked at the hip to the U.S. And so as their economy goes, so does ours. And the fact is that because we import so many goods from them, if those prices are rising and they're on goods that we're importing, it is eventually going to spill over into you know high numbers by Canadian standards. So I, I don't really envision that we're going to see the, the numbers next week say that inflation went down. Okay, so when we talk about rising numbers in this country, and the Bank of Canada hasn't been particularly uh, successful in predicting where inflation was going, but at what number do you consider the inflation rate to become problematic, perhaps across the board in this country? So it's probably more recent history thing. You, you mentioned the highest number in, say, 30 years, or the, the back-to-back numbers over 5% in 30 years. It was in the early 1990s that the Bank of Canada was given an official mandate to keep inflation between 1% and 3% in this country. So once they were given that goal, it took a little bit of time to kind of bat, beat that into people's heads that, you know, this is the number that we're now going to have. Uh, the fact is that any number then above 3% is indicative that the Bank of Canada has work to do, and usually work to do means higher interest rates to come. Okay, so if there's a number that starts to hurt the Canadian family, where it really hurts, and I'm thinking of the uh, listener who sent me that email, saying that for the first time she's actually putting food back on the shelf at the grocery store because she can't afford to buy it, where's the number that starts to really hurt us? What are we looking for next week? 
I think that anything above 3% means that inflation is still running hot in this country. It means that higher interest rates are coming. And, you know, more than just looking at the number 3%, 4%, 8%, or whatever that number might be, it's really where is it showing up, right? Inflation just means that the average price is rising. It doesn't mean that all prices are rising the same. And so your listeners, uh, you, uh, me, we're probably all seeing it in the same three places, right? It's showing up at the grocery store. It's showing up at the gas station. And it's showing up in rental and housing prices that are rising much, much faster than that headline 5% number. So, you know, anybody who buys groceries, which is all of us, and anybody who needs a car or transportation to get to work uh, is probably experiencing an above average sort of inflation. And that's the type of thing that if wages aren't keeping pace, it's having an impact on, on people. Yeah. Well, I, I read a news story earlier today that uh, more and more people who are seniors are returning to work simply because the inflationary trend has really caused them some challenges because of a fixed fixed income. Um, so when we talk about, let me ask you about interest rates. Is there any way the, to project where we might be with interest rates in the next three, six, nine months? Because there are people still want to buy homes. People still want to buy big ticket items. We had it planned and now may be afraid because they don't know what the, what the interest rate's going to be. Well, I can tell you what it's not going to be. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be where it is now, and it's not going to be lower than where it is now. So it, it, it's only going up. The issue is, in the remaining meetings that the Bank of Canada has this year, how many times are they going to come out of that meeting saying, we've decided to increase our target rate? So I, I think most economists are, are kind of picking somewhere between maybe another half percentage point to a full percentage point increase uh, in 2022. And then it's all fingers crossed to just see what's going to happen with its effect on inflation. If it brings it down to the one to 3% target that they're mandated, then they're going to lay off and say, okay, we're good with the interest rate where it is. But if it stubbornly remains high, then they're going to have to keep increasing it into 2023. So I, I think that everybody should at least be pricing a minimum half percentage point, uh, but probably targeting a full percentage point as kind of the, the median number. Okay, so I am going to be getting emails from listeners who were around in the 1980s and who were paying bills in the 1980s and do remember the interest rates being at 18%, 19%, which was fine if you were going to retire and uh, and invest your money at that rate. Not so good in many other circumstances. Is there any, is there any chance, any scenario that you can foresee which would get us Maybe not to 18 and 19 percent, but well beyond what we're even thinking about now. Not without there being real issues, right? Like if the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine spills over into something much, much more serious. You mentioned in, in the bumper the, the idea that maybe NATO might actually start to get involved here, right? If this spills over into World War Three, if this spills over into some sort of, you know, uh, washing up onto North American shores, hey, all bets are off. But if we're talking about that it's just the normal ups and downs of living on a planet that's overheating and has its own uh, COVID issues to still contend with, I, I don't even think that double digits is, is a possible number. So I, I don't think that we're going to revisit the 1980s anytime soon. Good. Well, we had a guest from Germany last weekend who was reminding us that the German government has told the German people, or at least alerted the German people, to the possibility of uh, the situation, the war in Ukraine spilling over into Europe proper. And I know that it doesn't take too many of those kinds of warnings for the markets to start to react. 
So what are your thoughts as far as that's concerned, as far as people's investments are concerned about the success of, uh, of business uh, and, and, and keeping things on a relatively even keel as far as that's concerned? What are your thoughts? Uncertainty is the worst thing that businesses can face. You'd almost rather know for sure that things are bad than being unsure whether things are going to be good or bad, right? Because with uncertainty, you can't make long-term decisions, right? And businesses deal in long-term decision-making. When you build a factory, it's something that takes years to build, and then it's expected to be around for decades. So if you don't know what's going to happen next month, next year, uh, with interest rates, with the world economy, with COVID, with Russia, these are the types of things then where businesses say, look, I'm not sure now's the right time to do these sorts of things. And so that sort of instability, of course, eventually spills over into hitting the bottom line, hits the bottom line, it starts to affect their stock price. And anybody who has money invested, whether through their pension or just random sorts of investments, are going to find that all of a sudden they're not making as much as they used to. And that's kind of a difficult situation when you're finding that price is going up and your income isn't keeping pace. Yeah, so those are the people who will suffer from the inflationary trend. Uh, Email from Bob to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Please ask Professor Lander what inflation is. Uh, Well, um, what the Statistics Canada does is they take a basket of goods that the typical consumer buys. So they have a bunch of people that sit around and try and figure out based on what they see from stores and retail outlets and uh, kind of consumer demographics. They say, this is what the typical consumer buys. Then what they do is they track the price over time. So it's almost like if I gave you a grocery list and said, here, I want you to tell me what happens to my grocery bill over the next year. If we see that the grocery bill is going up, you might not know which items are going up more than others. Some might be staying the same. Some might even be going down. But if you say, hey, the grocery bill is getting more and more expensive, that's inflation. So that's what Statistics Canada is doing, is they're just saying that this typical basket that a consumer buys is going up. It's when you start to parse the numbers and look at, well, which components of that basket are going up really quickly or not as quickly or even going down, that that gives the nuance to the story that, uh, you know, we have our conversation on. Yeah. So is the number that we're going to get next week, the inflationary number in this country, is that then essentially yesterday's news? In a sense, it is, because one of the weird things about inflation is that if I tell you, here's a basket of goods, and I want you to track what happens to the price of these things, while it might be the typical consumer today, when the typical consumer starts to see those prices going up, they start substituting for other things, and they're going to look for things that maybe aren't going up as quickly. So there's, there's a certain element where inflation tends to overstate the situation. It doesn't mean that we don't have inflation right now, or it's not a problem right now. It's just sometimes that headline number that we hear is maybe a little bit too uh, pessimistic about the state of the economy. And that's why the Bank of Canada tries to target 1% to 3%, because they know that that number's a little bit on the high side. So they're really trying to kind of keep prices stable. Uh, Professor Lander, if you're someone who's selling or buying a house, inflation tends to drive the price of the house up, at least as far as the seller is concerned, <laughs> for the buyer. It doesn't hurt the government either because they make more money. But uh, what would you say to somebody who is wondering whether this particular climate, what we've seen in the last couple of months, what we're anticipating in the next weeks, what would you say to the person who's considering a house, either buying or selling? It's a bit of a mixed blessing right now, right? With interest rates going up, the intention is that it's supposed to take some of the air out of the housing market, right? And so I'm not suggesting that we're going to see an American-style housing collapse, but at least the accelerated rates of, of house price increases that we've been seeing hopefully will stop happening. The mixed blessing component, though, is that it's now going to cost more money 
uh, if you need to borrow, right, because interest rates are going to continue to go up. So it's kind of a no-win situation, and it's merely a matter of, you know, when do you actually need that home, and can you afford to sit on the sidelines in the meantime because you still need a place to live. And so if rents are going up quickly too, uh, you may as well just bite the bullet and, and buy now. So the fundamentals of that situation haven't changed. Not really. We're asking the same questions today they were asking two months ago. Yeah, and, and the reality is that, you know, in a lot of cases, housing prices are a municipal issue, right? It's not something that the federal government can do, although they attempted to do something in their budget uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's not really something that the Bank of Canada has a huge amount of control over with such a blunt instrument by changing interest rates. Housing prices go up when you have restrictive zoning laws in municipalities. And so homeowners are extremely good lobbyists when you own a home, and that's one of your biggest assets that you might have. You go lobby your local city council and say, I don't want anybody to be able to build any home anywhere, anytime. And that protects the value of your assets. So if people are really concerned about housing prices, that's something that municipally should be discussed uh, and maybe looked at in terms of how to build up or build out or make it easier for home builders to come in and take advantage of these high prices and increase supply. So people are always asking, uh, can the current situation can what's been happening over the last year, can the reality globally now, can this lead to the R word, recession? What do you say? Sure, absolutely, Ken. Uh, the, the fact is that the, the business cycle, the, the boom and bust nature of the economy is never going to go away. There, there's never going to be a solution. I, I know that, you know, 25 years ago, uh, Bill Clinton uh, was talking about the idea of solving the business cycle, right? James Carville, his political advisor, was saying, we figured this thing out. They didn't. Uh, and we won't. So the fact is that anything that rises will inevitably fall. And so there is a recession that's coming. It's just the hope is that the recession is not as big as the boom that precedes it. So at least when we end up at the bottom of the, the recession, we're in a better position than the last cycle. And then we just hopefully cycle up again, cycle down, and just keep going in a trend that's up. So the fundamental bottom line advice for everybody, regardless of whatever situation they find themselves in, is is what given what we're looking at today what what's the what's the bottom line of advice you know what it's i think all politics are local i think all economics is local too and i'm not just talking about you know municipal zoning laws it's what is it that each individual household is seeing right so when we talk about 5.7 percent inflation rate there's no real individual that says well that's exactly the number i'm experiencing i might be experiencing seven somebody else might be experiencing three so you know what sort of job do you work in how much leverage do you have to negotiate for higher wages or how mobile are you can you move to different parts of the country so you know it, it's all a local issue and it's the type of thing that what is it that you can afford what is it that is essential what is it that's non-essential how many things can you delay and, and that's going to kind of dictate what each individual has to do to try and live within the current economic climate yeah, live within your means so whatever debts you have given this again what we're facing today get rid of them as quickly pay them down as quickly as you can yes no i, I don't know necessarily that that's necessarily the the objective here either for sure you want to live within your means and unfortunately sometimes we do have to take on debt right everybody when they buy their first home in that particular year uh live beyond their means which is why you needed to borrow money but the, the analogy that i'll give you is if i told you that i have five million dollars in debt you might say poor you but if i told you that i make 50 million dollars a year you might say oh well then in that case then you got it under control don't you so 
it's not necessarily the idea that you have to pay down your debt as quickly as possible. It's that if your income is able to sustain that debt, and if your income is growing fast enough that that debt is manageable, then you might actually be able to free up some cash to do other things in your life. Maybe it is home renovations, maybe it's travel, maybe it's spending on your kids. Uh, but it, it's really a matter of just keeping it in perspective. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 